Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. It's good to see all of you. If you're joining with us online, we're really glad that you're here as well. If we haven't met yet, my name is Brandon. Really glad you're here. We've, we're in week five of a five-week series on the topic of grief. Um, and we started five weeks ago with the premise of the fact that we could have good grief. That on the other side of good grief is things like a greater level of maturity, uh, more depth as a person, more strength as a person, and the ability on the other side of it to help others who are dealing with grief in the future. Uh, and we've gone through some really tough topics Topics that a lot of times we don't talk about in the church. We walked through on week one. We talked about shock and denial. That when we hear the news of a loss that we are confronted with, that we typically go into a temporary anesthesia where we are in shock, we are in denial, and we are waiting and that the onslaught of emotions are going to be coming. But right now we're kind of in this moment where everything seems to be shut down and we just know, all we know is that our life feels uprooted from where it was. And we too, we talked about a very relatable topic that all of us deal with on a lot, a lot of basis. You know, different, different uh, people kind of deal with this in different ways. But we talked about the idea of anger and how anger is a common response to grief and how we express emotions. And a lot of times when we're grieving, we express emotions that some of us, uh, they make us really uncomfortable. They're really sometimes ugly emotions and it requires us to deal with that anger and, and how we deal with that anger. What we do in response to it says a lot about how we are grieving, whether we're going to grieve well or not. And as we follow Jesus, there's this way to be angry and not sin. And we talked about that. And in week three, we had Tom Fry come and he shared his own testimony about dealing with grief in the stage of bargaining and really trying to control how he was going to grieve and how he was going to deal with his uh, family estrangement and try and figure out what he's going to do about it and the fleeting nature of all of that fighting that he dealt with. And then last week we talked about a topic that is really hard to talk about. And sometimes it's very triggering for some of us who've been through it to hear us talk about it. But I think it's a conversation we need to talk about in the church and that is the topic of depression. That depression is a common response. That once we've done the fighting, and once we've tried to figure out how we're going to control how we grieve, that a lot of us, we tend to get to a point where we are no longer having the strength to fight. That we, we find ourselves in a place where we feel lowly and lonely, and we don't have enough energy to give another step, to give another fight, to keep going. And we wrestle with that. And today we're going to step into the fifth stage of grief, um, which is called acceptance. This is kind of the, the, the point where we get to um, where we are able to move forward. But what I want us to do is we're going to talk about acceptance and what that looks like. But remember, grief is going to be experienced all different kind of ways, depending on who you are and what you've been through. You're going to experience it in all types of different ways. You'll bounce from stage two to stage four, go back to stage three, hang out in stage four, stage two for a little while. And then eventually the goal, the hope is that we all get to a point of acceptance. So we're going to talk about what that looks like. 
today. And I also want to give us a, a, a call, a challenge uh, that is going to be pivotal for us because some of us, we're in grief right now and some of us, we're not in grief right now. And it's going to be a pivotal challenge that will prepare us to better grieve when we are confronted with another loss. So if you have a Bible, we're going to start um, right now in the spot where we are going to end where we started in the beginning in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13. As we uh, are people who are anchored to Jesus and trying to follow him, um, let's step into what this looks like so that we can better see where, where we are in our grief process. Verse 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says this to people in Thessalonica in the first century who are grieving the loss of loved ones. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, Concerning those who are asleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. He goes on to talk about the fact that the people who are asleep, the people who have passed away, the people who have died, uh, th- there is hope because of Jesus, because he rose from the grave, that he is no longer dead, that when he returns, we will be all risen to life and be with him for eternity. And that those who are asleep right now, that all is not lost, that all they are not gone fully, they are alive with him And so he's trying to encourage them with the fact that we have a foundation, a belief, a foundational hope as followers of Jesus that makes all the difference in grief. What does he say? I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, that, that there is this process of grief, but we don't grieve like the rest of the world who have no hope. See, some of us maybe grew up in a, in a church context that said it's wrong to grieve. That as a Christian... Uh, if you grieve, you're not having enough faith. And let me just say that that is utterly, completely wrong. That we go through stuff, we lose stuff, and it affects us in a real way. And just because we have faith, and just because we have hope, doesn't mean that we don't grieve. And notice what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say don't grieve. He says instead that we don't grieve like the rest who have no hope. We still grieve. But there's something that is different that we have when we grieve. And that is hope. And it's not this life hack kind of hope where we just have this kind of mental uh, trick that we do, that we just do positive thinking even though we don't see anything positive before us. We have a hope that is anchored to reality. We have a hope that is anchored to Jesus. Y'all, the, the, the strength of your hope is determined by the object of your hope. So what do you have your hope in? And how strong is that hope to get you through the the messes of life? Because we will go through times where we get knocked down. We will go through times where we get knocked out. And what do you do when all seems to be lost? You see, we have a hope that is anchored to Jesus. The one who is not dead. He rose to life. He is alive. Y'all, we are, just keep this in mind. We do not have a hope that is built on simply someone saying, God told me so. Think about this. Um, those who worship Allah and follow Islam, they follow a teaching of a man named Muhammad, who was a self-proclaimed prophet, who went away and heard from God, and then he wrote down what God told him, and he wrote it down, and that is what their foundation of faith is built on is simply someone's word. 
Take his word for it. That's all he's got is the wisdom that he's being able to give in his written words. Or, like Joseph Smith, who founded Mormonism, said, I went away and God told me some stuff. And I wrote it down because we didn't get it. The apostles, they didn't figure it out all the way in the New Testament. There's some new stuff that God wants to say to us. And so I wrote this book. It's the Book of Mormon. And you should follow me because God told me this. Y'all, our foundation of hope is founded on a completely different kind of foundation. Why? Because Jesus said, hey, here's how you will know that I'm telling you the truth. I'm going to die, and then on the third day after that, I'm going to rise again to life. You can either prove that to be right or prove that to be wrong. It either happened or it didn't. We do not worship a king who is just saying, hey, I'm the I'm God, and not able to prove it. He said, this is how you'll know. And Jesus did it. Our, our hope is built on a sure and secure foundation. The hundreds of people saw Jesus, the risen Lord, after he had died and risen to life. Hundreds of people saw him die. It wasn't just some private thing. Hundreds of people saw him risen to life. And our hope is secure that our king is not dead, but he's alive. And so that gives us a different kind of hope. Because that tells us that there is hope for the future. That sin and death are all defeated. Because Jesus died on the cross after living a perfect life. And he died and went down to death. But then he rose again. Putting the smack down on death. So that one day when he returns, we'll be able to be with him in a new earth. Where everything is renewed. And when we die, we'll be with him for eternity. And so, not only that though, because Jesus didn't stop there, he didn't want us to just have hope for someday when. He wanted us to have hope for today. And so what did he do? After Jesus uh, went on to the throne room, ascended into heaven in the heavenly throne room as king, putting his feet down, put his feet up, sitting down saying, Father, my work has been finished. Let's send the Holy Spirit. So the third member of the Trinity, the, the third member of the Godhead, he came down, the Holy Spirit, to dwell in you, now you are not ever alone. When you follow Jesus, when you surrender to Him, you are now indwelled by God Himself and He is with you, causing you, calling you to go where He wants you to go, comforting you through the trials and the storms of life, equipping you to be able to go through what you are going through and actually grow through it. And so we don't have a hope that is built on some kind of idea out there. We have a hope that is built and founded on reality. And if you think about what grief is, grief is a lot of the, the stages that we're in until we get to acceptance, we are trying to wrestle with reality and trying to either avoid it or numb ourselves to it. That is a lot of what grief is. That's a lot of what the battle is in grief is we are trying to come to terms, but we don't want to, we're not really ready for it. Like what is, we don't like it. And so we want to try and either push it away or ignore it or numb ourselves or distract ourselves long enough to where we don't have to deal with it. When we're angry, we're angry that it's happened, that we're not trying to actually deal with what is in front of us. When we're bargaining, we're trying to come up with some kind of new reality that we would be able to live with. When we're depressed, we're, we're, we're afraid of what is out there and we're trying to come and stay within ourselves because everything is overwhelming. But what acceptance is, when we get to the point of acceptance, it's when we are able to look at reality and live in it. We're able to move on and move forward 
by building into what actually is and not trying to just build into something that actually isn't. And so acceptance is something where we have to get to a point where we are grounded in reality. And because we follow Jesus, we have a hope that is not just some idea. It's not just some philosophy. But we have a risen, living, and breathing king in whom we follow. And we have a living, breathing, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit himself with us right now. And so he helps us get to this point. So I want to give you, for those of you who are note takers, I've got three different lists today. Y'all are going to love me, okay? Three different lists. Uh, the first one is what acceptance is not. Let's talk about what acceptance is not. We'll talk about what it is. And we'll talk about something after that. What, what acceptance is not. Acceptance is not ignoring the loss. Acceptance, when you are grieving... When you've gotten to that stage of acceptance, it's not ignoring the loss. It's not just saying, okay, I've had enough time pass that now I just don't have to think about it. I just don't ever have to think about it. Because it's just not, it's not in the forefront of my mind anymore. I've been, I've learned how to get, bury it deep down within me. And I accept it because I don't see it or I don't think about it. That's not what acceptance is. It's not ignoring the loss. Number two, acceptance is not being okay. With the loss. And let me explain what I mean. It's not saying I'm morally, I feel like it's morally okay that this loss happened. Death, when that's the loss you're dealing with, that's something that ought not be that way. And that's why Jesus came to defeat death. So it's not saying that, oh, we're just okay with death all of a sudden. It's not to say when you were wrongfully fired from your job that that's all of a sudden okay morally, ethically. It's not that. Because sometimes it still hurts. And it will. What acceptance is not number three? It's not the absence of experiencing distress. In other words, acceptance is not when you just all 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 the time feel okay, feel good. When you are in acceptance, you can still feel the pain. You will. Even when you get to acceptance and you've been in it for a while, you will, you will sometimes be reminded of the pain of that loss. It could be a smell that reminds you of something or someone. It could be a picture that reminds you of someone or something. It reminds you of all of the, the past memories that will never be future memories anymore, even though you thought you were going to have more moments like that. It's, it's not the absence of experiencing distress. You're still going to hurt at times. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, this is a promise that, that God gives us. He heals the brokenhearted. God heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Think about that. What is grief? It's, it's wounds and it's a broken heart. And if we continue to go back to the one who holds the hope that we have, the one who is there and who loves us all through the thick and thin of this life, then he will heal our broken heart and he will bandage our wounds. And that is really the journey of grief, is getting to a space where we're willing to let him heal our broken heart and bandage our wounds. Because some of us, you know, in bargaining, we're trying to, we're trying to heal the wounds ourselves. 
and anger, we're trying to make it right. In depression, we're just at a loss for even how to feel whole again. So what acceptance is? What acceptance is? What is acceptance? Acceptance is, number one, engaging with reality as it is. Getting to a point where you can see what is real right in front of you. And you can engage with that right in front of you. Where you're, you're past the point where you're trying to, to uh, create some alternative reality that makes you feel okay about what you are going through. You can actually uh, stop numbing yourself, stop distracting yourself. You can start to deal with what is. It is what it And you can start to say, yeah, that is true. It is what it is. And I can start to deal with what's right in front of me. Acceptance is is engaging with reality as it is. Yes, this has happened. And now I have to live in light of that truth. Number two, acceptance is being present in the moment. Being present in the moment. You know, we, we, we just went through maybe months, maybe a, a year, maybe even longer than that of grief where, where the moment, the present moment either feels foggy, either feels frustrating, either feels like just so many things in your head that, that have nothing to do with this moment right in front of you, uh, dealing with all of the distress of grief. And now in acceptance, we're starting to be able to be present in the moment and starting to be able to see who is right in front of me, what is right in front of me, how God is working here and now. We're starting to slowly be able to build into, okay, right here and now, this is what God has placed before me. This is who God has placed before me and I'm going to start living here and not out there anymore. And acceptance is looking to the future with growing glimmers of hope. Looking to the future with, those, those words are so intentional, looking to the future with growing glimmers of hope. You're not going to get to the point of acceptance. You just enter that stage and you say, wow, this is awesome. Life is so amazing and everything happening before me is going to be so amazing. It's not going to be like that. If it is, you're probably kidding yourself. You know, you saw too many Christian posters, you know. This is my t-shirt. <laughs> but it's growing glimmers of hope where you start to see, okay, yeah, like the, the present moment in the past has been really hard. But I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm starting to see the light beyond the woods. I'm starting to see that, yes, there is something to live for in the future. There are people to love. There are people who love me. There are things that I get to go and do. There is a meaning in front of me. There are things I'm going to be able to step into. And this is good. Maybe I'm not all way, all the all ready to just step all the way into it, but I'm working on it. I'm stepping toward it. I'm starting to see growing glimmers of hope. You see, acceptance is a is kind of a, a an odd stage because in the other stages, you're, you you might be surprised that you're in it once things start to make sense, but you're not necessarily surprised that something's off. When you're in grief. You know something's off. You may not be able to put the words of shock and denial or, or bargaining or, or, or anger or depression to it. Like, oh, this is the stage I'm in and be able to self-diagnose that way. 
You might need a little bit of help or a little bit of thought process, a little bit of prayer to be able to figure out where you are in it. But but the, the fact that something's off, that's not necessarily a big surprise. Like if you spend enough time just being a little bit present, you'll see it. You'll notice it. And when you're angry, right? Like you, y'all know when you're angry, right? You start picking fights with walls. You're like, you know what, wall? I'm going to take you down. You punch it and then it just doesn't work out that well, Right? It's not very surprising. Well, what happened there? I was angry. Start trying to throw stuff or you yell or whatever. Like you're like confronted on the aftermath of your anger, right? When you're bargaining, you're, you're fighting. You start to get exhausted. You're trying to fight and trying to conjure up something. When you're depressed, you just feel lowly and lonely and you, you have no more strength to give. You don't know what to do or where to go or who to talk to. And even if you did have someone to talk to, you wouldn't even know what to say. Because it just requires so much strength. But acceptance is one that you may be in it for a little while before you realize you're in it. It just will kind of sneak up on you and all of a sudden you'll notice, oh, I, I kind of am excited about this thing, whatever this thing is in the future. Huh. I, I kind of feel... Okay, I kind of feel like I can be here now. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm moving forward. And that's how acceptance is going to happen. It's not going to be this moment where you just wake up and all of a sudden you're totally fine. It's not going to be that way. If you're a rare person who's ever experienced that, then thank God for it. But it's likely not going to be how most of us deal with it. We look to the future with growing glimmers of hope. See, grief is this process of deciding and figuring out what's most important in our lives and and what, what should we be focused on. And we start to learn that about ourselves because of the pain that we're experiencing. And slowly, little by little, as we creep toward acceptance, we start to rebuild our lives one brick at a time. Just... One brick at a time. We're building on a foundation and we're saying, okay, this is what the new normal looks like. This is what, this is what life is now. And you're starting to rebuild one brick at a time. But many of us, we get frustrated because we're not through the grief in the, pro, in the timeline that we would like to be. C.S. Lewis talked about that um, in his book, A Grief Observed, grieving the loss of his wife. He said, getting over it so soon. But the words are ambiguous. To say the patient is getting over it after an operation for appendicitis is one thing. After he's had his leg off, it is quite another. That's what grief is. That's what the journey of acceptance is. It's learning to make sense of life and operate in life and move forward in life with something that was pivotal, that was important. And maybe it's not the loss of a loved one. Maybe if it is, it probably does feel like the loss of a limb. In other ways, like loss of relationship, it can feel like a loss of a limb. Like just things don't make sense anymore. You've got to learn new ways of living. The loss of a job, maybe that's a little bit lesser of a thing. But give yourself grace because you may be grieving longer than you'd like to be grieving. 
but be patient with yourself. And the, and the interesting thing and the, the important thing is to understand and to be reminded that you will be different on the other side of grief. This is what Granger E. Westbrook, I shared with, this, shared, shared with you all this quote the first week. I'm going to share it again. He says this, When we go through any significant grief experience, we come out of it as different people. Depending upon the way we respond to this event, we are either stronger people than we were before or weaker, either healthier in spirit or sicker. And so the question is, on the other side of grief, like some of you are grieving right now. Some of you aren't. And maybe you will be in the future. All of us at some point will be. Who will we be on the other side of the grief? And I would just say, I would go back to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, where Paul says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. The hinge point on us grieving well and experiencing good grief where we uh, engage and we we are able to have a greater level of maturity. We are able to have a, a deeper depth as people. We are able to have more strength. And we are able to help others on the other side of our grief who are grieving in that moment. The hinge point on that, the ability to be able to step into that is, is founded on whether or not we grieve with hope. That's what Paul is urging the, the people who are grieving in Thessalonica. And I believe it's what God would have for us today too. That it comes down to hope. Do you have a strong enough hope that you can weather through all of the storms of life. And that doesn't mean it won't be hard. It doesn't mean that it won't be just completely debilitating. It doesn't mean it won't be full of pain. It doesn't mean it won't be hard and, and ugly and messy. It doesn't mean that. But it means on the other side, do I still have my hope anchored in Jesus? Do I still, am I still able to go out and see that my, my purpose as a person is to make disciples and to make a difference in this world for Him? Will I be able to love people on the other side of this? Or will I grow bitter on the other side of this? Will I be able to love God on the other side of this? Or will I curse him and walk away? Will I be able to be someone who's more kind and more merciful and more good and more faithful and more gentle and more peaceful on the other side of this? Or more hard-hearted? more angry, more bitter. And the question that that all revolves around, the answer to it is whether or not we have built our life upon the hope that we have. I asked this in our one of our recent, I started doing a FCT Thrive newsletters. Hopefully you guys are getting that. If not, tell me, I'll get it to you. Um, but I, I asked this question, uh, on a scale of one to 10, what would you say is the level of importance you have uh, with your faith, like in your life? How important is following Jesus in your life on a scale of 1 to 10? And if it is 10, if it is up there, if it's high on the list, then does your life reflect that level of importance? Is your actual practice, your everyday life, reflective of the importance level of your faith? And that's not designed to shame you or guilt you if it's not. But it is designed to recalibrate you, if it's not. To say, okay, am I orienting my life around Christ? If I, am I really being a Christ-centered person?
person. So what I want to do as we uh, kind of close out this series, I want to just urge you to grow in hope. To urge you to grow in hope so that when you go through this kind of stuff, this ugly stuff, you've got still something to hold on to when everything else is lost. When everything else is gone. Because He will not leave you or forsake you. But whether or not we have our hope anchored to Him and not to something else in this world that will be passing away at some point, that's what determines whether or not we'll be able to have good grief and be able to grow through what we go through. So I want to give you three ways on how to grow in hope. And these aren't super complicated, but they are very vitally important. So that when we grieve again, or when we're grieving right now, we can grow in hope, because that is the hinge point, according to Paul, on what grief looks like for the Christian versus what it looks like for everyone else. Number one, how to grow in hope. Read the Bible. Saturate your life in the scriptures. Be able to be present to what God is saying in this very moment to you. I know it's so simple, and I know that you know it's, it requires us to get disciplined and have some habits, but some of us, we know what it's like to be in the Word on a consistent basis, and we know the life transformation we've experienced because we've been able to listen to God every single day in the midst of a world that has many words and many ideas that are going to try and get you off track of where God would want you to go, to try and get you to put your hope in something else or someone else. And it's fleeting. I mean, think about it. Some of your worst days were, were as bad as they were because of some words that were said to you. Some of your best days were so good simply because of some words that were told to you. Right? And so if that is true, then we ought to be going to the one who's going to shape us. And form us into the image of Jesus. Y'all, Jesus was teaching on what eternal life is in the book of John. And this is what he said eternal life is. He didn't say it's, it's being in heaven when I die. He didn't say that. What he said eternal life is this. Knowing God. To know God. To know him. The creator of the universe. The one who loves you. Your heavenly father. It's to know God. And if you don't read scripture, if you're not in the word, how are you going to know him? Because all you're going to know is some caricature that you came up with in your mind if you're not getting your, your information about who God is from his word. You're just going to make up some God in your image. And guess what? A God made in your image is not a good God. You are made in his image. He gets to decide who he is. He gets to decide who you are in light of what he said about you. So get in the word. Get in the word. Number two is to cultivate prayer. I use those words specifically because it's something you got to work at. You got to get out the weeds. You got to till the soil of your own heart and be present with him. Eternal life is to know God. And so you're having this conversation where you're in his word and you're hearing what he has to say and then you're communicating back to him through prayer. Spending time, maybe, you know, for some of us, prayer is hard. We, we close our eyes and we bow our heads and we're like, okay, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray now. God, hey man, 
Can I have a good day? Okay, what do I say now? Right? Hmm, what else do I say? Okay, um, protect us, keep us safe. Thanks for the food. Amen. There's so much more to being able to converse with God. Maybe sometimes it's just us giving us ourselves the space where we can be silent and be present in the moment and focus on the fact that God is with you right now. He's here now. He's not out there. He's here. And allowing your heart to cry out to your Heavenly Father. Y'all, when, even when we don't know what to say, when, when the pain is so great and we've got tears and we've got pain and we just don't have any words to say, we can keep in mind that because the Holy Spirit dwells us, because He's with us and knows us, that even when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit is interceding. He's praying on our behalf to the Father. That even when we don't know what to say, God knows what it is. But we need to make space to cultivate prayer in our lives. That way, when everything else seems like it's crashing down, we've got a refuge to go to. We've got space to make where we can be with Him. So cultivate prayer. The third thing is to walk in obedience. Walk in obedience. Walk in obedience. That's not a word we like. We don't like obedience because that means someone else is in charge of us. In our day and time, we're like, I'm going to do me. Mm-hmm. What we need is to walk in obedience to what God has called us to, and thereby we will see Him follow through with what He said when we follow Him. If you say, oh, I, I follow Jesus, I, I believe in Him, but you may have some areas in your life where you've said, no, Jesus, you don't have any part to play here. I know better than you. This is what the culture says. I like what they're saying. It allows me to indulge more in myself. That feels better versus following the one who gave us some guardrails for our good. See, Jesus said in his last words, he said to his apostles, he said, hey, go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples, followers of mine, people who learn from me and follow me. Make disciples of all nations. How? Uh, Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bring them to a point where they're ready to surrender and and then help them make that surrender. And then... Teach them to obey everything I've commanded of you. Teach them to obey. Not teach them to just know it. Not just teach them so they can do some memory verses. Not just teach them so they can have some nice uh, Christian cliches that they put on their shirt or put on their coffee mug first thing in the morning so they can see that. But have a living, breathing faith that actually follows Jesus. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he gives us another promise. Surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. I'm with you. If you want to grow in hope, then read the Bible. Cultivate prayer and walk in obedience. And that's not to say that you growing in hope and doing those things and making those disciplines a part of your life are going to all of a sudden make grief a breeze. It's not. It's not going to make grief just like, oh, well, 
because I've been reading my Bible and praying and walking obedience, uh, I've grieved in a record time. Seven days, and I got all, through all five stages. Amen. But what it does mean is that through all of the mess, through all of the muck, through all of the grime, through all of the winds crashing down in on you, feeling like you're in the middle of a tornado, you'll have something to hold on to. And that is what the rest of this world does not have. They'll have a, a living, breathing hope that Jesus will put his hand out and you'll know where to find his hand. You'll know that you can put your hand out. You'll know that he's with you through it all and he'll grab a hold of you and you can grab a hold of him and he's going to hold you through it. You know, reaching acceptance in grief is not to reach the finish line, but to realize that you've reached a new starting line. Grief and getting to this point of acceptance is not where you say, okay, I'm done. Huh, that sucked. But it's when you get to a point where you see, huh, there's a new race to run. And for some of us, because we're in the middle of grief and we're really tired, and maybe we're in the stage of depression, the idea of running another race just feels really overwhelming. And like, Brandon, I wish you wouldn't have said that, because I'm tired. But by the time you get to acceptance, by the time you start to see those glimmers of hope, you'll be ready for a new race. You'll be ready for a new life. You'll be ready to move forward in what God is calling you into. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's still going to be a race. But it will be worth it. You'll be able to move forward knowing that he's with you. So where do we go from here? I would urge you to grow in hope. Grow in hope. Take your faith seriously enough to where you... All you, you orient your life around what is most important. A lot of us say a lot of things are important to us. But we, we know what's important to us when we look at what we focus on and what we spend time doing. So commit now to grow in hope. That way when you are grieving again, if you're not grieving right now, when you are grieving again, you'll have a a sure and secure hope to hold on to through it. So that on the other side of this grief, it doesn't make you more bitter. It doesn't make you more angry. It doesn't make you more unkind. But instead, it, you're, you have more depth as a person. You have more maturity. You have more strength. It doesn't weaken you. It strengthens you. And on the other side, that you can walk with someone who's walking that same journey. So, so decide now. And for those of you who are grieving right now, I encourage you, you can start now too. Give yourself grace. Be patient with yourself. All that we've said all throughout this series, this somewhat exhausting series, is still true. It's going to be hard. It's going to be messy. But just decide now to strengthen your life around the hope that you have in Jesus. Church, let's stand. We're going to pray. And we're going to sing out to our good God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being here with us now. For making space for us to have this conversation. For making space for us to engage in this part of life. And to do so in light of what you've said. God, for 
the person who's in here who, or who is on the stream who is feeling lowly and alone, God, please remind them that you're here with them. God, for the person who's pondering, giving up, giving up hope, giving up future, giving up on life, please remind them that you're with them and that there is meaning, there is purpose, and that they have an amazing part to play in what you're doing here on earth. Now, for those of us who are just so overcome by anger and frustration, would you please speak to our hearts and soften them and help us to see the thing beneath our anger, the thing, the thing be, be beneath our frustration, and to start to reckon with that. Now, for those of us who have been fighting reality and, and bargaining, help us to see, God, that we can surrender to you and that you'll walk us through what we go through and that you can grow us through it. And for those of us who are in shock and denial, would you please hold us up because it feels like our life has been uprooted. God, please show us your love, your compassion, your mercy, and your life-transforming power today. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.